It's a long way home from here I won't be back in a year Cause all the fallen leaves, the birds, the breeze Capture me again And all the lies you tell someone else Sure could use a friend And welcome back to another episode of Into the Wilderness Brought to you by Seawill Canada I'm your host, Dan Lonergan And we are still coming to you live from Halifax, Nova Scotia uh, 2023 in-person conference, uh, very exciting. We're wrapping up day two, getting into the wee hours of the evening here, but but still recording content, which just gets me absolutely excited. Um, and just seeing the energy in people and, and talking to you know people that we haven't seen in five years or haven't even met in person uh, continues to be just an outstanding conference and uh, already looking forward to next year. And hopefully we'll find out soon where that might be and we will share it with you when we do. Um, so on, on this episode, we're going to be diving in uh, a little bit into the world of accreditation uh, from, from Seawell. So as most of you may or may not know, um, Seawell does accredit institutions' cooperative education programs uh, to meet a, a standard set of guidelines and, and regulations to, to build some consistency around that type of will and, and has been doing so for quite some time um, and continues to kind of be a leading example in the world of, of how to set standards for a certain type of work, integrated learning. Um, so my two guests today are very active in the conversation around what the current accreditation process at Seawill looks like, uh, potential changes and, or how to change up the guidelines and, and make suggestions to maybe what the next iteration of accreditation looks like um, and for, for good reason to, to look into it. So thrilled to welcome uh, to the show Kara Krezik, who's the Director of Co-op Career and Experiential Education at Brock University also my colleague, but I'll, I'll suspend the Brock role again for this episode. Um, and uh, Anne-Marie Fannin, who is the director of the Work Learn Institute at the University of Waterloo. Welcome, both of you. Great, thanks so much. Thanks for, for taking the time this evening uh, to come sit in this little room here. And uh, <laughs> hey, we, we make do with what we've got. And, and I'm just excited yes. again to have, to have video content. Um, I don't know if this is going to be a recurring thing that we keep doing for the show, but at least for the, the purpose of recording during this conference, we're, we're going to lean into it. We're going to have the video content up on YouTube. Uh, you can find the show everywhere you normally do, Spotify, Google Podcasts. So talk to me a little bit about accreditation um, for co-op programs at Seawell. Even just like a quick history for those that maybe are new to, to their institution, new to maybe a co-op role. When did it start? What, is it, what does it look like? What's that process? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's something we really need to be critically proud of in Canada. Yeah. Uh, so accreditation has been around since 1979. It's the only active accreditation process in the world. And it's incredibly valuable that in a country like Canada, where education falls under provincial jurisdiction, we have a national definition of co-op. We have standards that have been adopted by the community, have been adopted by some of our provincial governments, mm -hmm. by the federal government in the past, and that schools that aren't able to attain accreditation status right now still strive towards. Um, and certainly in the conversations that we've had thus far and the work that we're doing, we hear a lot of pride with what those accreditation standards have done for co-op in Canada, and rightly so. Uh, employers do not balk at the idea of paying a student, and I believe wholeheartedly that that is because we set a standard yeah. over 40 years ago to say, if you want a co-op student, you're going to pay them. Uh, and building that consistency of experience for employers, for institutions, has raised 
awareness of co-op, interest in co-op, and the ability to really have a strong ecosystem. Yeah, the, the one thing I would add to is uh, it's a replicable process, right? So the other thing that um, we've seen is that if you're looking to build a co-op program, there's actually a framework that right. helps build that from scratch. So while it's, you know, there's, there's a lot to it, it also, I think that's another reason why we have such... Um, richness in Canada about like pay about you know some of the standards and it does create a um, even though in each institution may run it a little bit differently mm -hmm. it does have this framework that people can follow to to create good co-op programs well I've talked a number of times on this show you know as I kind of tap into different types of work integrated learning and have guests from you know various backgrounds in that space co-op continues to be the most recognized form especially in industry mm -hmm. right like most I don't know. I don't know how you want to quantify the word most, but in, in my mind, it's a decent amount of people in industry understanding Canada what the word co-op means. Mm -hmm. Some interchange it with internship, and mm -hmm. you know maybe mm -hmm. don't know the subtle differences. And I think institutions tend to create those. But mm -hmm. co-op, because I think of you know this consistent element that that comes through, whether it's solely this accreditation or just growth over time. Mm -hmm. That it is something where people, are like, oh, I, I know what the, I have a good understanding of what that means, and then in talking to an institution, they understand maybe you know more the nuances behind different programs and durations and things like that. I think even though when you're saying that, one of the um, one of the things that happens with this though is that then because co-op is so recognized. Mm -hmm. People want to call everything co-op. Oh, of course, yeah. Right. So I was having a conversation at a, a recent conference, and when I was having this conversation, it was that's not co-op, and and I think that one of the things that's great that Seawell has done is expanded into all types of work integrated right. learning, and we need to also celebrate those other types of work integrated learning so that. Um, from a marketing perspective, people want to call mm -hmm. things co-op, even though that they're not. So. Um, and it's not, it's okay. I think it's great if mm -hmm. something's uh, you know there's all different types of will that are out there, and it doesn't work for every institution, right. for every um, for every person. So part of the work that we're doing is actually um, continuing to look at what is co-op, but also um, so that we can continue to lift all types of work integrated learning. For sure. So talk talk to me a little bit about the the work that you are doing. So you know you mentioned. We've been doing this for 40 years in terms of accrediting. Mm -hmm. What what are you looking at currently? What are some yeah. of the things where you go, man, it might be time to, right. to change some of that or tweak it? Yeah, absolutely. So we've been tasked with revisiting all of the guidelines and um, not only the guidelines, but the rationale behind them. So, you know, the will nerds amongst us know that there is a document called Standards and Rationale that explains what the co-op standards are and why the co-op standards exist. Um, and so we're, we have kind of undertaken this process of really trying to go deep into the current accreditation standards, process, challenges, understand what's going on right now, and then a deep dive into the standards and rationale, and then bringing in different perspectives and different lenses to say, does this standard still make sense? Mm. And does it make sense with a changing world of work? Does it make sense when you put a lens of EDIA on? 
does it make sense now that there are eight other forms right. of work integrated learning that are recognized by CWIL? Um, and we've been calling it kind of like accreditation Jenga. <laughs> so it's such an ecosystem and the power of those existing standards are really, really strong. Mm -hmm. But do we have a clear understanding of why they exist from a research perspective, from an operations perspective, and do we really know what happens if you pull this block and this block and this block? Does the system stay strong and more flexible or is it gonna topple? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So any examples that, that come to mind of you know something that you looked at and said, well, maybe that's, maybe that's something that we should look to, mm -hmm. to change? Uh, yes, uh, so we did, uh, a part of our process has been consultation, but also, so we kind of first started looking at how do we understand uh, what these, uh, what the accreditation is and, and the guidelines and rationale, and then we started to kind of dive into it, mm -hmm. um, and then consultation. So I think both between what we heard and what we saw, um, there's a lot of opinions about uh, maybe it doesn't matter if, uh, if it ends on a work term, or why does co-op okay. have to, uh, sorry, uh, on an academic term, uh, why does it have to end on an academic term? And then, so that's one of the, uh, the big, the big conversations. Okay. We had a great conversation. <clears throat> I say debate actually, uh, today, earlier, it was a feisty, uh, conversation. Um, and, uh, the other one that tends to come up quite a bit is, um, Part the part-time co-op. So okay. even what we mean by part-time being like, is it about being a part-time student or is it part-time work? Or in some areas, it's called parallel co-op. And that is a form of co-op uh, in other countries. Uh, so right now within our guidelines, it's, uh, it's full-time only. So what does that look like? And if that were to change, what could that look like? So that we don't, again, talking about the Jenga, you know, if we change that, what will it do to the system? So these are some of the, I think the two, uh, the biggest ones, there's mm -hmm. ones have come up that I think that some of the feedback that we've heard is around not necessarily understanding or the evidence mm -hmm. that is put out doesn't really make sense to the actual um to the standard, okay. right? So the uh, like the the rationale and the standard don't match. So that was the other piece. So we've been doing some of that work too, is looking at, uh, and we have a team of people that are that we're working with, uh, that are looking at the different evidence. So it's not that we believe that that should be no longer the case, but we need some better rationale in order to explain it to people uh, so that they understand. Makes sense. So you mentioned the session that you delivered uh, earlier today, kind of. You know, there's you could probably argue both sides specifically, maybe of those two points that you articulated, whether it's ending on a, a work term or whatever. We would, however, we want to refer part time, right? Whether is that like you mentioned, is it a part time student or is it part time work or is it both? Mm -hmm. um, in in your consultations that you mentioned, who like who's involved in the consultation? Like, is is industry involved? Students, other practitioners? What does that look like? So primarily at this point in time, it's been the Seawell community. Okay. Um, there's more consultation and conversations to be had. Um, and it isn't to say that the voices of students and employers aren't critically important, but I think we also have to recognize that their understanding of the Jenga blocks yeah, are very different. different than our understanding of the yep. Jenga blocks. And, um, and I think that 
when we look at these changes, it's why we, we need to bring in these voices and kind of highlight them and, and articulate some of the challenges. Because oftentimes a school can um, rightly look at a criterion and say, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand why we would need to have students available in all seasons. Mm -hmm. But those of us that have been running the programs for a long time recognize that when we have students that are available year-round, employers create positions for students. Yep. Um, and that's very, very different than a summer internship model, which yeah. is problematic in many other jurisdictions around the world. So that's maybe a caution in um, the extent to which we do consult beyond the Seawell community because, mm -hmm. you know, some employers are going to say, well, absolutely, yeah, I want course, them yeah. a uh, mm -hmm. work term yeah. at the end or absolutely, mm -hmm. I want them for 12 months, not four months. Why are you giving them to me for four months? And so we want to hear their voices. But at the end of the day, it's operations of co-op and an ecosystem perspective that really matter. Yeah, and, and that makes sense. And I think, you know, maybe is it, does it get to a point of maybe where it's it's less of a, a rigid form of rules and and there are, there are circumstances where maybe exceptions could potentially be made. And I know just from my conversations with industry, I'll, I'll pick on the engineering industry mm -hmm. where they have been quite vocal that and, and I think it happens in most engineering schools, they need a student for longer than four months. They want them for a full year or more mm -hmm. because of the nature of the work, the time it takes to acclimatize them to you know day-to-day -day operations. And depending on the type of engineering, I think that fluctuates a, a close friend of mine going through an aerospace engineering program, yeah. intensive in terms of the on-the-site on work that needed yeah. to be done. In four months, you basically just get through bare minimum training. So, I mean, I think that, you know, where did we come from originally of like, no, it must must be four months and then you go back. And I know that that's changed and a lot of schools have, you know, back-to-back -back work terms or full year work terms, if it makes sense for kind of all yeah. the parties involved. Um, so what might be some of these, uh, is, is something like ending on a work term, depending on the situation, yeah. okay, maybe, maybe we have a conversation yeah. when that comes up. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think, that, that example just kind of brings to light for me again some of the challenges in um, maybe prioritizing an employer perspective or privileging a, a sure. student perspective because, you know, I think a lot of times about the structure that we put in place for co-op where students get an opportunity to explore different industries, different organizations. Yep. Um, and when we talk about the future of work, and I'm pretty passionate about this, Moving in and out of organizations and figuring out what your values are and how your skills transfer to me is this gorgeous preparatory yeah. ground for a future of work that is going to be rapidly changing. Mm -hmm. And you know, like if you look to something like the German dual model, they, they think it's fantastic. Employers get a student with them throughout the four years and then that student is trained to work for that one organization that may have major layoffs uh, one year after that student graduates, whereas in our current co-op model, yeah, they are being equipped to understand their skills, understand their values, and articulate them to a breadth of employers. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that's really important that I think we don't want to lose. 
And I think it goes to talk about the systems thinking again, right? So if this, then then what? Or even, you know, um, talking about from an educative model, like the co-op itself is not just about the job, right? It's also about career exploration. It's about who am I now? Um, it is about this journey as well. And, and um you know, th those of us that work in this space and, and have seen, you know, the ups and downs or the, the, the reasons why you think that might be a good idea until you live the yeah. experience of, oh, wait, we didn't think about that, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, the, the entire system, one of, I think the strengths of the Canadian system is what you said about, you know, we, they develop jobs but it's paid like yeah. like it's paid work experience um and yes it's used for pipelining talent it's also used for career exploration it's also a lifelong learning skill to know how to manage your career so if we and i, I get like yes it's great that you go work for this one employer and I think we've seen this in the accounting industry, yep. um, a big shift over the years where like, if you went to go work with an accounting uh, firm, you the, you you got that one yeah. and then you stayed with them. Mm -hmm. Especially and then, if it was like a big four, yeah. Right, exactly. And then we started to hear from students, I don't really want to stay with the same one. And like this, that, that shifted that. And even in the, the conversation around engineering, um, it, it, like I, I think that there is, uh, going again, looking at the, the employer and looking at their perspective, which obviously we need to be looking at, um, but we really do need to make sure that we're not going to do something that then disrupts. And I, I, I'm okay with disruption. I'm, I'm totally fine mm -hmm. with that. But I do think that we want to also make sure that we don't do anything unintentionally that's disruptive, right. that's not helpful. Yeah. One, well, and I was talking to, to an individual earlier, I think maybe that attended your session, and, and that was kind of where my head was because from, from my experience and, and the conversations I've had and the people I've talked to, Co-op is, it has that element of consistency and part of that is because of, of the accreditation that's in there. So if you start to take those blocks out, I'll lean into the Jenga reference and it, it does start to topple, mm -hmm. then, I mean, where, where I look at the eight, maybe not apprenticeships, so maybe the seven, mm -hmm. other, seven other types of, of will, there's very little consistency right. like across mm -hmm. the country, mm -hmm. right. whether it's the way that institutions operationalize them or the way mm -hmm. that industry understands them. Mm -hmm. And I think we're, we're, we would like some of those to get a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So if we have one that has it, right. is, is removing pieces of that consistency the best idea? Mm -hmm. Or do we embody these things and just call it something different? Exactly. Like, yes. like, and, yeah. and it's, yeah. you know, okay, like internships, Typically, big, long internships happen at the end of a degree. Mm -hmm. It's the last thing students do. Mm -hmm. They're usually not, if it's like a, you know, a multi-hundred-hour internship, they're probably not, they're done their coursework. Right. You do your internship. In most cases, hopefully, it's a paid internship, and yeah. I think a lot of those industries that tap into internships are starting to realize they also have to pay to attract top mm -hmm. talent. I, I'll, again, I'll pick on the sports uh, mm -hmm. industry. Yes. Um, we're seeing a lot of those internships starting to have to pay mm -hmm. students because they're just, I'm not going to do it. That's right. Right? And I think, yeah. you know, we, from our keynote yesterday, it's, yeah, the, the, this generation, they're loyal, but they want to be paid. Mm -hmm. And if they're treated well, they're, they'll mm -hmm. stick with you. That's right. So mm -hmm. how do you, you know, how do you meet them where they're at type thing? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, to, to take away the consistency for the sake of change or to mm -hmm. disrupt, I mean, you can disrupt in, in mm -hmm. positive ways. Well, and I, I think the, the thing too is like we every lens that we've been looking at this, we've been using the AAA framework, and uh, and and part of this too is keeping in mind that 
uh, I can't go to the Nora's other framework of, of pairs. Like this is a pedagogical yeah. approach as well, right? Like so, there's there's much more to this than just work. Right. And like even if you look at if you want to do, and I guess one of the questions we have is, you know. If you want to have something end on a work term, why would you not just put the concept of an internship out there versus co-op? Yeah. And that goes back to what I was saying about the market and the brand of co-op is one sure. of the reasons that that happens. But, you know, even um, we looked at continuous uh, co-op yes. as, as one of the... Right now, we have two models of co-op. One is the... Um, uh, how do they... Alternating, alternating? and... Uh, um, <laughs> Internship. An internship. But we're looking at, you know, should we call this continuous? We're in the middle of their program that they're doing back to back to back, which is already uh, part of the accreditation guidelines. And we're thinking, well, we should maybe so we don't confuse internship and co-op. Mm -hmm. We call it continuous. But what makes that still a co-op? Is it, is it required that every four months or every 420 hours that the same thing has um uh, they still have the same requirements as a co-op. Yep. And then the other piece that's come up around, you know, again, future work is mm -hmm. multiple employers. And we saw this during COVID that we were kind of putting together, like this was where some of this is coming from, that during COVID we were being creative right. around, yeah. you know, can we have multiple employers, can freelance, um, you know, the gig economy, those kind of things. And it was actually funny because as we started to pull this apart, we're like, we have entrepreneurial co-op that yeah. actually yeah. fits really well with this. So. We can use those guidelines for the freelance, the you know multiple, yeah. but but there are some there again. There's there's some if that then what if you have multiple employers? I think that somebody brought this up to you as, what happens if one of those employers says that the person you know didn't do what they were supposed to? Does that person fail now? But yeah. the other two were okay. Like mm -hmm. how do you manage that? So those are the kind of things that we're thinking about too. And I imagine that that narrative probably you know get into like the part-time conversation that starts to pop up as well That's exactly and, it. Mm -hmm. yeah. i mean again depending on how if we're looking at whether it's part-time work or a part-time student it's probably more just on the part-time work equation of that of how do you how do you measure that in a similar fashion to full-time work and right. and then you start to unpack well what can the industry support and and can every industry support part-time work right. and i think even just from from my experience in other types of of will some can't. And again, back to my point about the training and the duration that it takes just to get somebody up to speed. If we're only looking at like 150 or 200 hours, the industry may not want that, but it's in, in other cases, they would love it. Right? Yeah. And I think that just highlights again the importance of the fact that this work is being done at the same time that the standards for other forms of will are being created. Right. Because up until this point in time, if you couldn't get your program accredited as a co-op program, you had nothing. And and co-op was the brand and schools wanted sure. to mm -hmm. call it co-op. Yep. But if, as you said earlier, we can have quality standards for field placements or internships or yeah. work experience, well, and you can say, I have a really strong work experience will program. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That becomes the language. Yeah. The only yes. reason the brand mm -hmm. of co-op is as strong mm -hmm. as it is is because that's the, the part that had the standards mm -hmm. and that we talked about and socialized. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. there's going to be an adjustment period for oh, sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. But now we don't have to, we have to look at, do the standards serve the intentions of co-op not do the standards serve the intentions of work integrated learning. Right. And yeah. those are That's two. That's a really good point. 100%. Yeah. 
yeah. distinct conversations. Yes. Yeah. And the other piece, you know, to add on is um, we, one of the guiding principles is like we also are looking for looking at the evidence. So what does the evidence say about part-time work? What does it say about onboarding? What did like so we don't know um, yeah. uh, all of that. Like that's some of the work that we're doing, and also making sure that we're not allowing one particular voice or a very strong voice to come in and say like we want this or I want to end on a work term because it works for my institution. Like we understand that in some ways that there are the operational pieces, but because we don't live that experience right now, although I will say within my institution, we have unaccreditable programs and those programs actually can be problematic because yeah. we live the experience of why, like of the why. Mm -hmm. and, and so like, mm -hmm. so one of the things is, you know, but we don't want one particular voice to oversee things, but we need to look and see in the limited evidence, if there is things that we can even like use to parlay to the work that we're doing. Right, and I mean, I've, I've lived experience as a part-time student doing a graduate mm -hmm. program, but I was working full-time mm -hmm. act like, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I didn't, I wouldn't have been able to, to mm -hmm. participate in any kind of part-time will that was outside of my mm -hmm. course. Mm -hmm. And I've also been involved in other types of will that could be deemed part-time, right? Mm -hmm. Short-term, mm -hmm field placements, practicums, and, you know, going through a teacher education program. I was sharing, in that program, no no discredit to, to teacher education programs by any means, but until you get to teacher's college, where it's okay, it's intensive, it's, you know, long, you're embedded right in the class, you're actually doing the teaching, the, the field placements and the practicums that kind of go up to that point are short, they're observational, and, you know, there's just reasons why that might be the case, but I watched a ton of my peers get to teachers college and collapse because they couldn't they couldn't be in front of a class. Right. But they hadn't been but that's mm. five that's four years, five years into a program. Mm. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Like you're in it at yeah. that point. You're not yeah. you're not changing your, your course yes, yeah, four yeah. or five years in. Mm -hmm. Um it's it's a very specific example. It's just something that kind of came to mind when we talk about that and in terms of the potential, I guess, negative side effect of shorter term yeah. will. And, and again, there's there's yeah. really valuable and rich short forms of will mm. um, that are highly, highly impactful and effective. It's just one thing that I saw in terms of, you know, if those were longer, earlier, yeah. would more people be able to, more students be able to decide, maybe this isn't That's the right. Yeah. So to your yeah. point about yeah. multiple employers, yeah. mm. The, the positive is like, oh, you get a wide variety of backgrounds and mm, skill sets. Mm. The flip side, and I think we, we say this in other types of will, is like, well, it, it helps you figure out maybe what you don't want That's to right. do mm. either. We just heard students, actually, when we were, uh, we had a student mm. panel, uh, which was fabulous, and a uh, student panel for National Conversation uh, in Ottawa. And, uh, you know, what I thought was really great, one of the students was talking about he had worked for public, he worked for, sorry, private, he worked big company, small company, yeah. and then public. And even like just that from an industry Huge. perspective, not even like just a one employer, it's like mm. you're talking various industries and they're, again, that's the career exploration, it's that wayfinding. Um, what I don't want to do, and I think one, a lot of us in this space will say, you know, if you're in a one year, your first year program, you already look at how many people. Um, so research shows that people can name eight jobs yeah. when they're going into university. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now you've done one year of academics and, uh, or, 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 you know, or college, and you come in and you do one year of academics, and then you do a work experience, you're like, whoa, this is not what I wanted, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Before you continue to invest in this. Um, but also, if you have a... You like it depends on where they would end on a work tour. We have to think about that particular student. What does mm -hmm. that do? Yeah. Um, yeah, lots to consider. 
<laughs> yeah, and the other thing that I might add is just um, as we explore the standards for these other forms of work integrated learning, and I know I'm very much speaking from a university perspective, longer period of time here, but I think it also allows us to say what forms of work integrated learning can we bring together mm -hmm. to best support the student and their needs based on the program. And you hit on this exactly, Dan, when you're talking about different industries and their ability to bring in mm -hmm. students differently. And I think of this example of pharmacy at Waterloo that is the only co-op program um, in Canada. And that typically they don't have co-op because yeah. you need to have mm -hmm. practicums, you need yeah. to have, you know, meet certain learning outcomes under the supervision of a pharmacist. You're not a licensed pharmacist. But what they did was they were able to come up with a model that had both. Mm -hmm. They have unpaid practicums, mm -hmm. but they also have paid co-op work terms. Mm -hmm. And so the students are getting exposure to different roles and aspects of the industry, mm -hmm. regular income throughout their undergrad, which helps them man. Or they're not an undergrad mm -hmm. now; it's a farm D. But right. they're they're able to then manage that unpaid placement because they had income from yeah. their previous mm -hmm. co-ops. So I think it's as this all comes together, it doesn't all have to be co-op, yes. and co-op can mm -hmm. stay a specific, discrete, and special yeah. form of will, as they all are. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that's, I think, the real challenge for us as we work mm -hmm. through this. Mm -hmm. yeah, it, it takes time and, and you know, careful attention. And I think with you know, changes in, in looking at some of the other types of will, maybe it does help to make a, a clearer picture of, yeah. Yeah, we've got nine, nine different types. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, yeah, co-op is pretty cool. Apprenticeships, I think people are pretty pretty well understood behind that so it's it's these other seven and where do we start and yeah. how does how does doing that help you know what we've built for co-op even more mm -hmm. um but uh with no with that i, I just want to thank you both I, I know the band is uh is playing i can kind of hear it coming through so we usually are in halifax yeah, yeah usually you know i don't i put a little kind of background track i might not have to do that on this episode we'll just pick up the audio from the band but uh karen and thank you very much for taking the time tonight uh, to come and sit down and talk a little bit about accreditation and uh, looking forward to, to hearing what comes of it and kind of see the changes that uh, that institutions can can look forward to if they're not already accredited or even in you know reaccreditation process and what's mm -hmm. to come with other types of will yeah lots there too yeah, yeah. so thanks thanks dan and uh thanks again for tuning in uh this this may be our last live uh, episode. Well, we'll see. We'll see how the night goes. If if there's anyone else that wants to come and, and talk about work integrated learning, but uh, as always, thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next time. I won't be back in a year. Cause all the fallen leaves, the birds, the breeze capture me again, and all the lies you tell someone else sure could use a friend.